So, shall we start? Yes, let's start. Okay. You do the intro from Thailand. So, welcome to Reactive. Uh, I'm Khalil and I'm here with Henning. Hello. Hello. So, unfortunately, we're not with Raquel tonight because she is um, hanging out with... <laughs> what is she hanging out with? Uh, I guess Wombats. And uh, of course. I think there's a, like a Wombat wedding or something like that going on. <laughs> And of course, she is. Uh, she needs to. She needs to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Somewhere on the east coast, I hear. <clears throat> uh, yes. yes. <clears throat> and you, you're uh, you're actually calling in from pretty far away this time. Yeah, I'm calling in from from Thailand. Um, so far, I have not seen uh, what was it? The Javan rhinoceros, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, the rhino with bats, and we were also speculating on the false killer whales. Yeah, the false I killer think. whales, which, yeah, the false killer whale, that's an awesome name for for uh, an animal. Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. So far, I have seen uh, various insects, and um, what else? Uh, yeah, just like a, oh, there was like a, a monitor lizard. Like they're like big lizards, even though they can become like super long, like one and a half meters or something. But this one was still pretty, pretty short. But that was cool. <laughs> this is yeah. running, running what, around. Is on that a lizard or, or like an iguana? Or uh, it, they're called monitor lizards. Mm, I have to look that up. Yeah, yeah gotta look that up. They're pretty cool. They're, they look like they're like dinosaur dinosaurs, you know, like little dinosaurs that just yeah. walk around on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife really hates them. She's she was. Just oh like, really? <laughs> yeah, she's just they're creepy, them. I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no. Uh, other than that, just a beautiful ocean and and a lot of uh, coconut water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Young coconut. Well, we saw water. some pictures of uh, of your feet in the yes. sand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's important to make a picture of your feet when you're on vacation. Yes, absolutely. Yes. To prove <laughs> that you're there. Yeah. You're actually in front of Well, so you're having a good time. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice it's, it's a good time out, you know? Like, we really needed that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, that's Very cool. Nice. But, uh, yeah, but what's going on uh, over there? I've been out of the loop. Uh, um, I'm not too much more in the loop than you are, um, <laughs> for reasons I shall reveal sometime in the near future. Right. But um, yeah, I saw a blurb that uh, Electron reached uh, 1.0, and um, it's it's something that I really, really, really want to try for one of my projects. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to actually seriously looking into it. I, I sort of played around with it and just got an Ember app, well, can't really say Ember app, sort of just a, you know, the out-of-the-box Ember thing to work and um, played around with the menu, you know, how you can basically uh, configure or um, write a menu <clears throat> to do various things. I think I got as far as uh, just, you know, quitting the app um, and then, you know, running the um the dev tools inside of it while it's running and running up the like the Ember inspector in there, so you can do all of all of those things, which is really neat. And the thing that that kind of confused me uh, at first is like, okay, I really really want to use Ember data because um, that's just you know this drop in 
uh, data layer where I don't have to do anything when I have an API backend. But if you want to write an app that actually just has data locally, then you know, I was like, well, what do I do now? It doesn't really make sense to to you know run a node server or, or um, to serve up an API in your own app. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of silly. So. What I guess you can do is you can write adapters to talk directly to the file system. Mm. And for example, you could just um, write an adapter for Ember Data that talks to uh, SQLite. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's something I really want to look into. And then I just try to um, build existing um, projects like Ghost. Um, The source code for that is out there. And I, I don't know why I didn't spend enough time on it, but I wasn't able to actually build it successfully. And um, so just poking around in, in other people's code to see how they do things. Um, because at the time I did that, the docs were kind of light. But, you know, like I said, it's uh, as of, I think it was last week, or in the last few days at least, it reached 1.0, which is pretty cool. And of course, you know, um, Adam is built on top of that. I mm-hmm. believe also Visual Studio Code. So yeah. a lot of things. And Slack, Slack and uh, yeah. a bunch of other things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty much the state state of the art uh, thing. If you want to use JavaScript to create a desktop application, I guess. Yeah, it's so weird that you, from from in your front end app, you can actually talk. You can just use Node mod- modules. That's just that's a sort of a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, and you can talk directly to the file system. So, kind of neat. Pretty sweet. Yep. I mean, it must be tons of boilerplates and stuff like that for all kinds of stuff. The yeah. Ember stuff. Or uh, or maybe even like an add-on for Ember CLI or something like that. Did you ever... Yeah, there is one. Um, yeah. There's one being maintained by a Microsoft open source person, Felix something or other. Uh, and he gave a talk, I think, at Ember, EmberConf. <clears throat> I didn't see that, but um, <clears throat> it seems like you just... Basically, uh, yeah, use that add-on, and you pretty much out of the box have um, have an Electron app. And the cool thing here too is, and I, I think that's one of the, the appeals, is that you can build it cross-platform. So you can you can target Windows, OS X, and Linux. Yeah, which is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, did you did you uh, watch the the EmberConf keynote? I have not. It's yeah, not. it's on my list. I have the link in my in my inbox, but I do not I have not had the time to watch it yet. I hear though from the few podcasts that I've been listening to that it was really, really good. Okay. As usual. Yeah. So, as usual. Yeah. yeah. I also didn't uh, watch it yet, so I'm I definitely have that on my list as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, Yeah, I hear it, I hear lots of good things. I mean I've heard several several podcasts now. Um, that did sort of a summary of EmberConf, and um, yeah. it's bigger and better than ever. So, pretty good. Yeah. So what? So like a main thing that I heard was that they are kind of pushing to go back to the web to make the web great again, or whatever. You know, like so pushing against the um, React Native um, yep. and also Native Script with Angular movement thingy where people are writing javascript and then generate actual native uis they are really insisting on um, making ember work on mobile um, and make it 
and they really wanted to compete with the native experience. So that's pretty exciting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like think they're, their tagline, they're taking if this I remember stance. correctly, was being the SDK for the web, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... Um, I don't know if that's I think eventually it'll work and I think if if you have enough people pushing at that and that's what it takes right is is for mm -hmm. people to to constantly push the envelope and move things forward so yeah. uh, they move in the right direction so yeah. very very curious to hear uh, or to see how that evolves yeah I'm very happy that they that there is somebody who is kind of taking that on you know like and especially uh, uh, such a uh, uh, amazing group of people like the Ember community. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of like I mean I think it's a good compromise to have something like native script or react native native and it's it seems to work really well for for people and it's um and it's it's pretty cool and it really is, like a lot of your business logic you can really transport from one app to the other so from one platform to the other on mobile and stuff like that so that's that is that is a cool kind of way around the performance problem in the UI in the browser but um, it's really really important I think that there's a lot of people still kind of pushing pushing the web forward and the mobile web especially and making JavaScript apps work really well on all kinds of devices because ultimately once that once that is really easy for people to do then this is going to be yeah, pretty amazing. Just as if you know, because you, because I mean, the benefit is clear. It's just like you will roll out one app, and it's it works everywhere, right? And um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and there are still some people working hard, and I I love that the Ember community is or the Ember people really want to push that because they they are like a a huge force, and they bring a huge community, and then there's also other people that are. Um, <clears throat> they were working hard on that, like at Google and stuff. And I think Henrik Yorotek is also really a proponent of that. So that's really cool. Yeah, I mean they're they're taking quite a few steps in that direction. I mean Ember Fastboot is is getting there slowly, and I think Gloomer mm -hmm. Two mm -hmm. is a, is another complete rewrite of their rendering layer. Mm -hmm. And I think Fastboot will help mobile quite a bit because you can basically render on the server <clears throat> and yeah. send you know the first or the initial load to to the device or you know any any device i guess but and then in the background it'll load in the javascript um as uh yeah as bandwidth bandwidth permits but that way you don't get such a, a really bad experience if you have to ship the whole app on the first um load yeah yeah, there was actually a, an interesting argument that one of the one of the Googlers made. Um, I forget the name right now. Um, just one one uh, Chrome Google Chrome advocate or something like that. Anyway, he was talking about he was kind of contrasting the uh, universal JavaScript to the non-universal JavaScript, and he had like some intermediate version of it where, and he was basically saying that that. Um, um, so, so the non-universal JavaScript that's not rendered on the server, 
um, or JavaScript application that's not rendered on the server um, has the obvious problem, right? That it all renders in the browser. You have to wait for the JavaScript to load, and only then it's rendered, and only then you see something, and so and so forth. And mm -hmm. then the the universal JavaScript can have the problem, and I think that Ember Fastboot not necessarily does have that problem, but it can have the problem that you render the stuff on the server, it gets sent to the mobile browser. Um, as a static HTML and CSS and so forth, and then the user can't do anything with it. But mm -hmm. I, I I know that definitely in Ember Fastboot, as long as as everything that you, that is basically served by a route in Ember, <clears throat> you can still use if the JavaScript is not there yet. Right? That's something that actually Tom Dale showed last year. Where you could still you you could click around even though the JavaScript was not loaded and it would just go back to the server and then re-render, you know, the right. app as HTML and you would still you know see some, you know like in the new state of the application. Uh, but if you are clicking on something and um, whatever you're clicking on is supposed to you know to do something but that is not being managed by a route, then it's managed by, by JavaScript, some event in, inside of the application or something like that, then this will not work. Ah, uh, okay. Right? And it's only going to work when the JavaScript takes over. So what you're going to do is kind of you're going to buffer events that the user does that are not served by the router. And then you're going to you know, replay everything once the JavaScript is there. But that is also difficult because you don't want to suddenly, like, the app to explode in kind of, <laughs> you know, all kind of like doing stuff without yeah. the user really expecting it. So there was like a middle, middle path thingy that he proposed, which was that you serve, you serve just a subset of the application. You serve a subset of the application uh, via HTML and then as the JavaScript is streaming to the browser, you kind of unlock features and then show them to the user. Oh, right? wow. Something like that. Or maybe just show them enabled, disabled, or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that you have like a visual cue for the user to see that, oh, this is now active. I can use this. I can use that, and so, and so forth. So um, that is an interesting view on this, and um, but I don't really know if it is a problem for a typical Ember application, though, because yeah. I, because with a typical Ember application, like if you have a to do, like let's take the to do example, if you have like a to do list, you have like a list of to dos, you have different states like toggle a to do. Um, uh, uh, checked or not checked, or or you have like an edit state, stuff like that. So so at least edit states or new to do and stuff like that. That would all be kind of managed by by routes. So that would definitely be there. But I don't know if like a checked state or something like that is really that's not really managed by a route. Mm -hmm. It's just in the HTML needs to be. I mean, it needs to be synchronized to the server at some point when the JavaScript is there or something like that. So right. there's, there's a, there's, it's interesting how once you have this new kind of paradigm, right, this new idea that you have universal JavaScript, 
um, meaning it's rendered on the server and then as HTML it's sent to the browser and then JavaScript takes over. When the first time you think about it, you, you think this is genius and this is actually not that hard. But then what once you really think about it and you really try it out, I think there are so many kind of edge cases, new edge cases that you never have to never had to deal with before um, that are kind of popping up that you need to deal with. <clears throat> yeah, and I think there's a, there's also the the issue that I, I don't fully understand, but basically, yeah, because the JavaScript has to run in in Node, I guess yeah. Ember has to run in Node, and all the components have to be able to fetch their information or basically talk to the API locally. Um, versus you know when it's on the device, there's a whole bunch of problems there too that I guess they have to. Um, you know, make the various components that are out there today uh, work on mm. fastboot. It's not like an automatic thing. I guess they have a few, a few things to 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 modify for that to function as well. But there's a there's a fair amount of um, sort of a, I don't know publicity or, or exposure um, for this kind of stuff. Uh, for example, the Ember Weekend uh, team, um, you know, the podcast. They are actually building their um, podcast app on this stack. It's basically Phoenix, Fastboot, and Ember, and then of course Dockyard. They are they're on that stack as well. And I think there's a a series of blog articles coming out now by I think it's Mike North. <clears throat> He's a very uh, a good teacher basically for for Ember. And uh, I took a uh, a seminar or a, a workshop with him. And he's also writing a bunch of uh, articles, sort of a series of articles on how to how to create uh, an Ember app with Phoenix and um, you know, Phoenix and Ember, mm-hmm. uh, sort of from scratch. And I, I think Fastboot is part of that as well. Hmm. So um, there's there's uh, documentation is out there, example code is out there, and uh, so very curious to see how that evolves. Cool, very interesting. Yep. What is this uh, podcast app that they're building? What is Not it podcast app. Sorry, it's their it's their website. Basically, oh, they oh. their their podcast website is an Ember app. Okay, okay. And they are they discuss um, basically how they're building it. You know, on the show sometimes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, they've used the various uh, technologies and, and and add-ons for that. And they've even done sort of like um, live coding sessions on. Which one is it now? Live Coding TV, I think. Mm. So that's kind of neat. So you can watch them do that. and So they talk about it quite a bit. But it's all open source as well. So that's kind of cool. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a good idea to, to as, a, as a developer podcast, just use that stuff to make your, your podcast yep. website. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> Very cool. Uh, yeah, so I have to do some backpedaling on something I said on the last time I was on, which was like, what, like, or was it the, was it actually the last time I was on? I don't know when we were talking about buble or buble or whatever it's called. Yep. it's about supposed to be pronounced. Anyway, the um, so basically I did something stupid where I um, did an assumption based on a tweet by somebody who was not the author of the framework, and I said something like. Um, that it that I I I kind of assume that maybe Buble is, um, uh, 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 or th- or th- or that that what 
what Buble is doing is a sign of immaturity of the developer. And of course, when the developer found out that I said that, he was very angry at me. <laughs> so, so I had, I, I, um, uh, yeah. So I totally, uh, I totally apologized for that because that was really uh, stupid um, to to just assume that because it was really just based on a tweet that I saw that some where somebody commented on on Buble, and so. Um, um, I think that he that he um, accepted my apology, and he also said that he would want to explain to me what his thinking is behind Bublé and and um, what the benefits are and so forth. And um, I was very happy to 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 learn more about it. And, and he told me to uh, write him an email, but. Um, and he was, but he said, I think he responded back. He said that uh, he got the email, but he is currently very busy and he's going to, he's going to write me back eventually. But so far I didn't get anything from him. So the, okay. the, the only thing is, so um, there was, I saw some more. Um, so the thing is I have a concern so far with the whole project because, and I hope that, that, um, you know, I just also have to look at the documentation and see what 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 he's writing on on the page and stuff like that. And just dive into that. The the only the only concern that there could be is that if he is if so he's transpiling ESX ESX to ES5 with this project, and if um and I, and somebody was treating out like two sets of code like a. Uh, uh, you know, ES6 code transpiled by Buble and the same code transpiled by um, Babel. And the Babel code was much bigger. Uh, it was more code because there were certain edge cases that ne needed to be kind of handled because it's trying to implement the code by um, after the spec. And uh, the Buble code was was just smaller. The problem is with this might be, could be in the future that if you write um, an application and you use Buble to transpile your code and there are some edge cases in your code that are not covered per the spec in the Buble transpilation once you you turn Buble off and just use your um, ES6 code because now the browsers can handle it and Node can handle it or whatever you might run into some problems and some very uh, difficult to debug things. So that's the only kind of concern that that I might have with this project. But um, I don't know um, what the thinking really is, and so I will definitely look forward. I'm looking forward to the the to the email and um, yeah, and basically we'll follow up on the show as once I have more information and I look more into it. Okay. Yeah. That's Very basically good. it. <clears throat> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes one forgets that people listen to the show. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? It's not just us talking <laughs> amongst us. <laughs> right now it is, but yeah. You know yeah. how what happens when it goes out, the audio goes out to the world and mm -hmm. things happen. Yeah. Yeah, we had a uh I think we I don't know. It must have been months ago. I think Raquel said that you know Twitter was thinking about changing the way they uh, are going to treat uh, the character limits. And I saw this blurb on uh, 
some news site the other day that um, they're going to stop counting photo li- photo and links basically mm-hmm. in the 140 character limit. This I guess this is not official, but supposedly it's from someone that is close to the project and is supposed to happen within the next few weeks. So that'll expand your ability to write just a tad more if you also have links in your tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is really cool. This is really cool because because mostly you kind of you always assume the text that you write, or it kind of feels like you you know even even now once uh, after write you know being on Twitter for such a long time, it kind of always feels like I have those 140 characters to write my tweet, and as soon as you have a link and a photo in there, then suddenly it's just like 100 or whatever, right? Or yeah, below 100. And and it's always like it throws you off, and it there's like if you just want to comment on whatever you, those links are, and it's just really it's very constricting. So I'm I'm actually excited about this. I think this is a really cool way to kind of start start um, um, jacking up the number of characters that you are allowed to write in a tweet. So. Yeah, cool. I agree. I mean, that's it gets you have to get very creative and cut yeah. down words and take out words and shorten things up when you want to do that or write multiple tweets and yeah. um so yeah, that's um in favor of that for sure. And I I'm seeing this whole thing that we had already discussed, you know, where people are basically creating a, an image of some text and yeah, embedding exactly. that in order yeah. to expand their um <laughs> basically the character limit. Mm-hmm. They're seeing more and more and more of that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, especially since uh, whenever you have a picture in your tweet, you get more engagement because mm-hmm. people just don't scroll past the picture as quickly as they scroll past just text. Right. Yeah. So yeah. everybody learns the trick. Now everybody does it, and then everybody, <laughs> and then just text is, is becoming the new thing <laughs> again at some point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um what else was going on? So we definitely so what I saw so there's a really cool um I don't know how I found this thing on Twitter where there is this author. I I think I just somebody retweeted it and and I stumbled upon this story. There's this author um he wrote a book I uh, didn't read it. Uh, it's called Have a Dumb... Uh, no, it's called A Man Made Entirely of Bats. That's the title of the book. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, and, he, and this guy is called... He's, he's called Patrick Lenton, and that's also his Twitter um, account. And he um, went about to to kind of tell stories like life stories from his actual life or childhood or whatever on Twitter as like little tweet storms. And um, those stories are just like really, really funny and mostly have like a cool little twist in the end that is really surprising. And it's just so entertaining and funny that uh, I thought it would be cool to mention. I think uh, I have a link here to one of those stories We'll just put it in the show notes. It's it's really funny. It's just like something about when he were, went to school and 
he was bullied. Or the one story that I read, the first story was so hilarious. He was basically the story was about um, he, when he was young. At some point, I don't know, young, whatever, like a teenager or something. He one of his first jobs was uh, to work in some kind of some kind of um, what, what's what's it called in a dock or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you know, just where like there's workers and they carry things from one place to the other and stuff like that. And I don't know, use machines to do things and stuff like that. So he was working there and he, he got a job by just showing up or something and saying, uh, I want a job and said, okay, we can give you something here, do this. And um, so he was kind of, so he came in and those people, they, they, um, so his coworkers, I don't know how he described it, but they were kind of, um, think uh like shady or something like that and they wanted to invite him to a to a strip bar or something a weird place to go where they always go or whatever and he decided not to go and the next day he was working like in the basement um which where he was just folding t-shirts or something i have no idea if i'm getting the story right but like the details but that's that's the gist of it you had to do something um tedious basically in the basement and then <clears throat> and it's just like the, the way how he tells the story on twitter is just like so funny like it's a really good so this is told just author. in tweets just in tweets it just goes on and on it's like 20 tweets or something like that and in the end <laughs> like the, the twist of the story like the thing is like he went on a vacation and then he came back and everybody pretended like they didn't know him when he came back to to this uh, <laughs> to this to his job, and he went to the to the office there to the HR people or whatever, and said, "Hey, um, I work here. What's going on? Like, why no, nobody recognizes me?" <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we don't really have any. We don't have any documents <laughs> about you. We don't know who you are and stuff." And he he even saw people that he worked with, and they also like purposefully like look past him or whatever and i think he worked there another day maybe or something or whatever but then it was over basically and then he found out like years later or or months later or something like that that those um <laughs> those workers were running like a smuggler ring or something like that nice. in, <laughs> that in that uh in, in that <clears throat> place where they were working that's why he was banned down to the basement to do the tedious work because so that he can't see um, what they're doing upstairs. And they did that because he didn't come to this bar with them where they would have maybe tested him or tried to kind of mm-hmm. incorporate him into this whole smuggling or something. Like that. Yeah. So that was a cool twist in the end. Anyway, um, that's pretty a new cool. art form. It's telling stories form. on Twitter. I mean, Twitter weird. is really great for authors, you know, authors, people who like to write, for that they, they they love Twitter mostly, and this is just a way how you can use it. And he just like he um, he does that he or at least seem to do it on a regular basis. Now I think I, I saw two or three of those stories, and uh, it's pretty funny. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Put a send a send a link, and we'll put that in there. Definitely do that. Yeah. Check it out. Put it all together. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> And so there's some other stuff. Parsing McParseface, did you uh, do you see that? No. So, <laughs> first of all, do you know what the Parsing McParseface? I mean, like the name 
thing is. Did we talk about that? I don't know. There was this research ship, like research. Oh yeah, yeah. The ship. Na- I knew it was in. I thought it was the ship name, but I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Anymore. It was Bodie McBoatface, right? So there, there was like this thing where there was this research vessel, uh, Royal Research Vessel in the UK or something, where um, the internet was invited to make uh, suggestions for the name. Right. Oh geez, yeah. So so Bodie McBoatface was like super high up or was like <laughs> the highest rated name or something like that. And it actually was given, I think the I think you put this in, in Slack. That's where I saw it. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and and it made the rounds on the internet like crazy, of course, because it was so funny just to have a research of royal research vessel called Bodie McBoatface. Which is because it's, it's so serious, you know, like going on a, you know, you know research blah, 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 out in the world, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but I think um, they shut it down. It's going to be called something boring. Anyway. Um, really? So, They're not going to use it? No, no, I don't think. Oh. It was just like in the running and it was like the highest rating. What? So the, the, the article that I sent around was actually very misleading. The title was, was kind of um, something like... Uh, research vessel about to be named Bodie McBoatface or something like that. But then in the article, they actually wrote that it was a suggestion that got, you know, a lot of attention and a lot of votes, but it, it was not decided. Like there is like some committee or something like that that can overrule the internet votes and stuff like that. So. Ah, lame. Mm. <laughs> totally lame. Like it would have been... Like everybody would have been like nobody cares about the boat anymore. Like yeah, it'd be every, the most famous ship ever. It would totally be the most famous ship forever. <laughs> it would be amazing, but no, they didn't want all that fame. I guess can't help you oh, then. Yeah. Anyway, so Google is picking up the slack with the naming thing, and so what they did is they announced SyntaxNet, the world's most accurate parser, and it's open source now. Uh, they announced the open sourcing of it, and there is so so it is a parser for natural language, right? And they made hold on. So what it's and so so and they say in their press release, our release includes all the code needed to train new syntax net models on your own data, as well as Parsimac Parseface, an English parser that we have trained for you and that you can use to analyze English text. <laughs> right, so so parsing like parseface is an is a parser that is that uses syntax net in order to um, to uh, parse English natural language. Huh. So, so everybody can now parse lang- natural natural language with this. Very cool. So. When you say parse na- natural language, like for purposes of translation or <clears throat> what? Like I can't, uh, yeah, what, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Yeah, basically figuring out what uh, I mean, I, what the sentences mean, I think. So there's, mm-hmm. a, there's all kinds of, let uh, me see, there's a GIF here, book the ticket. Yeah, so I, is this something that comes out of their um, out of their search engine research? I mean, because that's what they need—that sort of type of thing. I would think 
to interpret their, okay, their search just gonna, strings and stuff like I, that as well. I'm just going to read more from this thing. So at Google, we spend a lot of time thinking about how computer systems can read and understand human language in order to process it in intelligent ways. Today, we are excited to share the fruits of our research with the broader community by releasing SyntaxNet, an open-source neural network framework implemented in TensorFlow that provides a foundation for natural la language understanding systems. Wow. Uh, yeah, so... I mean, does that mean that it's about like voice commands and stuff like that? So it is, is it, I, from what I can tell, it's to understand the meaning of a sentence, which um, yes, that's also what I'm getting here. Yeah, you know, which is very difficult, I think, in, yeah. in many cases because it's ambiguous and it depends on context and all this kind of stuff. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So wow, pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, they're they're doing a lot of that stuff. They have this whole computer vision. Uh, system that they're that they've open sourced as well, or at least made accessible. So this is very interesting. They're releasing all this stuff. So here's some more info on a standard benchmark consisting of randomly drawn English newswire sentences. The 20-year-old pen tree bank parsing the parse phase recovers individual dependencies between words with over 94% accuracy, beating our own previous state-of-the-art results, which are already better than any previous approach. Yeah. Hmm. So, if you're into that stuff, I guess that's pretty exciting. Yeah, Skynet is coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's already called something with an S and then a net at the end. So, syntax net. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not far from it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's pretty cool. And um, oh yeah, so did you see? Did you see? Anatin? I don't know how to pronounce this. Anatin. It's this uh, this rapper that Sindra Sorhus wrote for the new mobile Twitter app. So if you go to mobile.twitter.com, you'll see that uh, Twitter has a, a new design for their mobile version, for the mobile web version, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty nice, you know. It's uh, it's just very slick and very clean. And actually, uh, and it invites people to kind of switch to just using that instead of the whatever Twitter apps that you have on your desktop. And what Sindra Sorhus Twitter app? Wow. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I have to check that out. Well. So what what uh, Sindra did is that he wrapped he, he's ra wrapping this um, this app in I think Electron I guess and um, and so you can use it as a desktop application and you just have this mobile Twitter um, view and it's pretty nice it's uh, it's pretty cool you can install it uh, really easily with the Homebrew but there's also installs for for um, uh, Linux and Windows, stuff like that. So, man, where does that guy take to get the time? It's crazy. So, <laughs> he I, does so much. It's amazing. So, actually, he's he's uh, as far as I know, he's fun employed. Uh, ah. So he, uh, because I know Andre, um, one of my ex colleagues from eTexture, was also a reactivist. <laughs> um, he went to Thailand. I think uh, like a few months ago, and he met with Sindra because Sindra is 
currently a lot of his time he's just spending hanging out in Bangkok and um, he met with him and just you know they had a, had you know coffee somewhere and just chatted and stuff and apparently um, that's all he's doing like he's he's hanging out wherever he wants to hang out and he's just working on open source he has like he has some savings and kind of is living off of that and of course in bangkok you can really live well off of a uh, little money you know huh interesting so, so that's your answer <laughs> yeah okay that makes sense yeah yeah because i mean he, he came out with that um the github augmentation plugin where he basically you know fixed it up the way he wanted and made it nicer yeah, exactly. in his opinion i never looked at it but yeah. and now this and pretty cool yeah, and he's also doing Ava uh, AvaJS, which oh, is yeah. this uh, testing library, mm-hmm. which is also pretty cool. So, yeah, he's doing. And lot. he has already what, like five or seven hundred npm modules or something. Yeah. Well, if that's all you do, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, his name when you when you search for stuff, his name comes up a lot. Of course, and it's. Notes. I mean, yeah. for me, it's such a like it's just, it's like such a stamp. Uh, um, well, how would you say like a stamp of quality or just like yeah. a sign that whenever whenever I'm so whenever I'm googling no I'm searching for an npm module and I find something by Sindre I will always pick his because yeah. I can trust mostly you can trust to ninety nine percent ninety nine point nine nine whatever percent <laughs> that it's going to be like really robust and really well you know, made like with edge cases, um, uh, 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 considered yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Well tested, beautiful code that like, it's really, um, whatever, whatever he did is always has, has always, um, a big trust factor. For yeah. Him. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. The little bit of stuff that I did, that's sort of a trend that I saw. And since I, you see a lot of his stuff uh, on Twitter and well all over the place. So that that's sort of I found the first few things and saw that they were really good and mm-hmm. yeah, basically same experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> cool. So, did you see this um, like the def- in defense of .js thing? going on i saw a blurb about it two weeks ago but right now i couldn't tell you anymore what it was about (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh what it's about is that there is there is like a proposal so basically the node people are trying to figure out how to implement es6 modules in node right Mm -hmm. and so there's a different syntax so in node as you know you just do var blah 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 equals require whatever module and um, in ES6, you have you, you say import da 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 from module name, and then you can do destructuring, or you can just import the default value from that module, or you can import um, just a specific export from that module file. And <clears throat> so, and those two kind of ways of doing modules are not compatible because they're a little bit different. Um, it's just how they work. And so they have to do, in Node, they have to kind of, uh, they have to, man, I'm missing a word again, uh, basically figure out 
what kind of module system are you using right now, right? And so what are you importing from? Are you importing from a normal common JS module or are you importing from a ES6 module? And in order to do that, um, uh, in order to distinguish that, the proposition, I think, was to do to use a different file extension for ES6 modules. So M dot MJS instead of dot Ah JS. now I remember, yes, yes. Right? Okay. And <clears throat> and there's uh, a lot of people that are very uh, sad about having to maybe you know maybe having to write have a different file extension. And uh, so there is like now a debate going on. I actually have no idea where this debate is at right now. I think it's still kind of being debated, um, but I'm not sure. But the debate, at least at that point when I read it, was about um, using MJS as a new file extension or to basically state in the package JSON what your module, what type of module you have. So, but I don't, I guess in the package JSON of the module, you basically say, okay, this is an ES6 module or a common JS module. So, yeah. So, so this is, this is to reduce the overhead of, of trying to figure that out. Is that what that is? Yeah, well, exactly. So there yeah. has to be like, there has to be a clear indication to mm -hmm. the, to, to like the node, whatever, uh, engine or whatever uh, you want to call it, or the bindings or whatever. They they need to there needs to be like some sort of if else thingy going on where they can one hundred percent determine what kind of module is, this is without you know too much work. So that's why they need either the package JSON thing or or the file extension. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So there's a there's some rumblings there. Mm. I think that as, as far as I have seen, um, the uh, Ember people are also pretty outspoken about so so Yehuda Katz and Tom Dale were also kind of commenting in that thread. So, but in in what direction are they leaning? Do you remember or do you know? Um, I think it was they were in defense of JS basically. Okay, that, that was this where this comes from. This article or kind of. Readme file that somebody brought <clears throat> up. I think it was a collaboration of. Let me get. Let me just check real quick. I think it was a collaboration of. Yeah, I think I pulled people. it up. And yeah. I saw that. Um. Oh yeah. So Yoda Katz was also. Um, participating. So Dave Herman, Yoda Katz, and Carrie D. Patinio. They they wrote this uh, this document in defense of .js and they were uh, basically um, ar arguing for the package JSON solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it was actually too long, so I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had that same problem. <laughs> yeah, but it's but uh, I like to kind of just notice that that's going on, and then yeah. If I have time and I really want to get invested in it, I, I, I really get into it and read it. But um, I, yeah, I, I think really it's something it. I saw on Nuzzle uh, where, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, I get my I get my summary every day or whatever. And then if yeah. I get past the little paragraph that sort of is the teaser in your email, 
I click over to that, and then I think on this particular one, I'm like, oh, this is too much. I can't yeah. have time for that. <laughs> I mean, it's super involved also. Like, yes, yeah. you know, like there's some deep thinking going on, as you know, whatever. Right. Right. Yuda is involved. There must be some deep thinking there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was the defense of the Dutch AS. Yeah. Also, um, what I wanted to um, kind of link to in the show notes, because I think it it is exciting, is that uh, good old Mr. Andre Stoltz, who is the author of the Cycle JS library, he he announced at CycleConf. CycleConf uh, was just also a few weeks ago, or or something like that. Um, also, the videos are all up, as far as I know of the talks, he announced Xstream, which is, or Xtreme, <laughs> uh, which is basically a library like RxJS. It's, uh, it implements the observable type, um, but it is um, basically tailored to what, what you need in CycleJS, meaning it is, it is much more reduced than what's, what RxJS is. RxJS is uh, bigger, has m many more operators. I think it is a hundred and something, 180 or something like that operators. And in, in Extreme, you only have um, <clears throat> 26 core operators and factories. And it's uh, it's very, very small. It's, it's just as fast as <clears throat> the new version of RxJS. And it's also more intuitive. So there are th certain things that are just a little bit easier to understand when you use it, uh, especially for the use case of using it in um, in CycleJS, where you use it to manage um, your application state, your UI state, and so forth, and you implement um, this unidirectional data flow pattern that um, he introduced with CycleJS. Um, and, and this is, yeah, this is just really awesome. So... <clears throat> I would just encourage you to have a look at this if you're interested. Um, if you just need a small kind of, you know, uh, it's basically it's a it's a subset of the full yeah. thing. Yeah, and I guess it's the most important or yeah the most common things, and you can get by with it probably I don't know maybe ninety percent of the time or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They also have they also have more operators, but. Um, you have to explicitly include them if you want them, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you have 26 cooperators and and it's just very small. It's fast and it's just more intuitive. So they just renamed some of those operators. They don't use exactly the not at all in all places. They don't use exactly the same um, names for the operators, which makes it a little bit more intuitive. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. So would it make sense to start with something like this because it's maybe easier yeah. and more intuitive and then yeah. to grasp the concepts? Totally, totally. It, 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 it's, for instance, what, what it also um, um, does is that all the streams in, um, in Extreme are um, hot by default. And what that means is in RxJS you have the concept of cold, um, observables and hot observables and the difference between those two is that you can have you can so there's this uh, subscribe function that you can 
use in order to subscribe to an observable stream, right? So you will you will create a stream from, for instance, a socket connection, or you will create a stream from uh, like user clicks or something like that. And <clears throat> and if you have multiple points in your application that subscribe to that, so you have multiple subscribers that want to that want to receive that data whenever it happens. Um, <clears throat> The uh, cold stream means that it functions. You you can basically um, you can visualize it like a YouTube video. It just like each subscriber that subscribes to that stream will get the whole stream, like the whole set of events that 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 pass through that stream will get that from the first event to the last event. So if a few events happened, so so one person, one part of your application subscribes to that stream. After the subscription, events happen, like one, two, three events pass through. And then after some time, another subscriber subscribes to that. Those one, two, three events that already happened will happen again for that subscriber. Yeah, so it's 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 like if it's like when you sit down and watch a YouTube video, like you you watch it from the beginning to end, and everybody else who watches that watches that YouTube video, they get also the whole video from beginning to to end asynchronously. It doesn't it doesn't matter when you watch it, when you subscribe, mm -hmm. so to speak. And and a hot observable is is um, comparable to a YouTube live stream where when you start subscribing to that live stream or start watching that live stream you just get what just happens and right. and and uh, every other person that also starts watching that live stream will only get from that point on in that live stream what happens they only get that stuff right and that is the same as a as a hot observable that where if a subscriber subscribes the first subscriber subscribes a few ev events happen a second subscriber subscribes um, and, and like, but one, two, three events have already passed. This subscriber will not get those events. It will only get the events that pass. So, so the fourth event, and the fi the fifth event, both subscribers now will get, right? So that's basically that's the default how you like a normal event emitter works, right? Like that's how you assume streams would work by right. default. That's a good analogy too. Makes it easy to understand. Yeah, and 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 in RxJS, I think the default is actually cold, which is not as intuitive as yeah. having them work just like event streams, uh, like events, uh, event emitters. <clears throat> and in extreme, because it makes a lot of sense, because you're managing UI state, meaning that you're using streams to manage UI state, means that you 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 want. Basically, you want to translate user interaction into state changes of your application. So you're just so you're really interested um, in what just happened, and not like memory of you know all the things that ever happened uh, mm -hmm. whenever a subscriber subscribes. So <clears throat> so that is one way how extreme is a little bit more intuitive, and the other way is that it is. Um, a little bit more intuitive when it comes to the uh, naming of the operators, and uh, yeah, and it's cool. it's just it's just amazing. I mean, he I don't know. He I think he did it with uh, another community member of the Cycle JS community, and just uh, yeah, whip that out. 
a whole nice. little library uh, implemented. Yeah. So that's cool. That's what's up in the cycle world. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, it's all about making things simpler. And if that's doesn't come with too many uh, negatives, that's that's good. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm all out of topics, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I still have a few topics, but I think we're we're at the end of the. Uh, yeah, that's true. End of our time. So. Yep. Uh, I guess we can. Well, too bad we couldn't do a triple time zone podcast with yeah. you in Thailand, me in <laughs> Germany, and Raquel in the States. That's true. Would have been cool. But uh, hey. Uh, next sometime. time, sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll keep dreaming. The, yeah, the dream of the triple time zone podcast. <laughs> so I'm just fetching new reviews here. I don't see anything new since last time. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you know of any super new? Super sad. So yeah. Sad. Oh my god. And I hope it's not just user cried. Huh? Dumb dumbness. I hope it's not user uh <laughs> oh, oh. oh did you, you you're not you're not sure if you know how to scroll or Well, fetch fetch <laughs> reviews. I don't know, does that Yeah it does. It does. Fetch reviews. Click on fetch reviews and then it does refresh. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Actually we have to make some more uh noise about Fido though. Like it's I think it's um Fido dot surge dot sh is the url mm -hmm. right yeah we should definitely link this up because it's a really cool tool that um anybody can use so if you have a podcast and you wanna you wanna ha you wanna have you want to have an easy way to to um look at your reviews worldwide in in your in the itunes app store then um you can go to fido.surge s-u-r-g-e dot s-h and you can basically put in the ID, the iTunes uh, ID or the iTunes URL of the podcast, and then it will just fetch it. And you can, I think, you can also you can say you only want to see um, you only want to see uh, reviews from one country, or you want to see reviews from all countries. And it will always show the newest reviews up top. And yeah, it it looks pretty nice. It was done by two um, reactive listeners. It was done by Silis. Silis did the programming. I think it was done in React. And there's a. Is there anything else? I don't know. I don't think so. And um, and design was done. Uh, was done by Oli, I think. So very it's really nice. cool. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just running there, and you can just use it. It works all client side, and it's great. So if you have a podcast, you should definitely check that out. One cool little addition would be if you could search for the podcast by name. But, yes, uh, of course. <clears throat> yeah. But I think, I don't know if that's even, well, because iTunes doesn't really give you anything, uh, doesn't give you anything Yeah, true, they don't have their APIs or... Yeah. You yeah. need to do it with the with the ID, but you can mm -hmm. just but you but how you can do it is that you can go you go to uh, iTunes, you search for your podcast, you find your podcast, and then there's um, when you're on your podcast page in iTunes, there is this what is it like get button or something like that, and you can just get 
click on the little arrow and then there's a menu and then you can choose um, get link to this podcast or something like that. And that link you can use in Fido then. So it's not that difficult to get to that. Yeah. So it's okay. Cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's really, it's really cool. So, and also, you don't need to scroll anymore, actually, right? So it's all <laughs> up top. So it's so, properly sorted. <laughs> yeah. So um, it actually is should be foolproof <laughs> or heading proof so, almost. <laughs> <laughs> it's not heading proof. <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh, there was something else nice. I wanted to say that I forgot. Damn, was it? Anything I wanted, I wanted to announce something. Why did I want to announce something? Oh dear. About no. Slack, Fido. No, I don't know. Shit. I won't have to I'll just have to do it in Slack. I don't know. Okay. Um yeah, so uh, oh, let's have a look. Um so the thing is, I think I'm the only person who can actually go to that page where it shows the team changes. Oh, uh, okay. Because it is so I have to go to account because it's and like Slack the billing, overlord. It's the billing thing, and I created the Slack. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, uh, but I forgot where it was. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't really help if you're the overlord and uh, you don't know. You really don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, billing! I have to go to billing. So, and then we have team changes. So, 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 so. When was the latest podcast? A the week last ago. One? A week ago. That was what date? It was uh, the eleventh. The eleventh. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So, did you shout out to Felix Jung already? Last time um, you must have. I don't time. remember. I don't know. <laughs> I okay, so, so if if not, then we'll shout out. Hey, Felix Jung, welcome. Then uh, on Saturday, May the fourteenth, Dennis Shipper joined the team. He is mm-hmm. what is his name in the? Let me see, because it doesn't show the username; it just shows the real name. Dennis Shipper is Ork Dork, Ork Dork, <laughs> and uh, that was. That was it. We only have one new member since all right since the eleventh. So big up all the new followers, uh, not followers, all the new uh, uh, slackers. And uh, what is with Fred? Fred, did we did we already big up Fred? I don't know. Anyway, the Slack chat uh, is awesome. You can find it in the show notes uh, to every episode as well as the link to the iTunes page where you can re- we can where you can send us reviews which we will always read out loud and be very happy about uh, that's why that's why we're so we're so sad um, <laughs> at the end of this episode because there are no reviews anyway um, what else um well right. I'm H Gladdergots on Twitter and uh, Raquel is Rockbot and I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter, and we are reactive. Khalil Tweets. That's right. And we are a reactive pod on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that was All it. All right. Well, hey, have a safe trip back and enjoy the last few hours in, with your toes in the sand. <laughs> Thank you. Will do. Before you come back. 
yeah. and we'll talk to you when you're in Europa again. Yes. Is, is are we all together again next next week? Hello. 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 Uh, you just went away there for a second. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Okay. This is a clear sign that we really have to stop. Anyway. Yeah. Are we going to be all together again next week? Do we? Know uh, that? I believe so. Yes. That's awesome. Cool. Yes. All right. So uh, have a have a good end of your day. Or same to you. Yeah. Rest of your day. All right. All right. Talk Bye-bye. to you next week. Talk to you Bye. next week. Bye.